Hello, I'm Monty Church, and welcome again to another episode of Native New Day. Today, we find ourselves at one of the most solemn spots in all Native American history. This is a mass gravesite of Wounded Knee, South Dakota. It's here the hearts of our Native Indian brothers and sisters everywhere were broken by an incident that remains vivid in our memories to this day. Here, four days after Christmas in the year 1890, the last major massacre by the U.S. government of our Native people took place. And it was here we all realized that the traditional free Native ways of life were forever gone. The Great Sioux Nation had come to a state of hopelessness. They had been forced to leave their Nebraska homelands to a reservation territory we know today as North and South Dakota. These were reservation lands that were regarded by surveyors as worthless. The buffalo were gone except in the western border of the Black Hills. The rest of the reservation as farmland was utterly useless. It was only the food and clothing commodities issued by the government that kept them alive. Then gold was discovered in their sacred Black Hills. Schemes were hatched by the government to acquire the sacred mountains and also almost half of their treaty-given reservation land for incoming railroads and settlers. But the Sioux people refused to sell at any price. The government threatened to cut the rations and commodities and relocate them if our brothers refused to give up the land. Still refusing, the government simply took it. To this day, no treaty or agreement was ever signed by the native people to let go of these lands and the sacred Black Hills that had been deeded to them earlier. Their great chiefs, Crazy Horse and Sitting Bull, who had stood up for their rights, had both been assassinated. Other than Chief Red Cloud, the Sioux people were leaderless, and the future looked hopeless. It was at this time a spiritual leader, a Piot Indian, self-proclaimed Messiah, by the name of Wavoka, appeared saying that he was Christ, who had returned from heaven as an Indian to help them. He taught, that a new day was coming very soon when all the ghosts of their dead loved ones would be resurrected and reunited with them. Then the earth would be recreated. Great herds of buffalo and wild horses would come back and the white man would be gone. Wavoko also taught that all this would pass them by unless they learned and joined in the great ghost dances that he taught. It was a spark of hope that our poor brothers and sisters yearned for. The commotion of ghost dancing spread like wildfire. Hundreds and then several thousand joined the ghost dancing rituals till schools and most all other reservation activities were forced to shut down. The white settlers and the local government workers feared a possible uprising against them and the government. The United States War Department was alerted and a detachment of cavalry soldiers were sent to bring order to the ghost dance movement. The cavalry commanded one of the Indian leaders by the name of Bigfoot, who was heavily into ghost dances, to bring his people to the cavalry camp at Wounded Knee Creek 
for disarmament and arrest. On the evening of December 27, Bigfoot, who was deathly sick at the time, came with 351 of his people to the spot as ordered. In the freezing cold weather that evening, they were immediately surrounded by soldiers with orders that all Indian weapons must be surrendered the next morning. In the morning, as Indian guns and weapons were being collected, an entire search took place of each camp and each teepee. During the search, two guns of a young deaf Indian man by the name of Black Coyote were discovered. Not understanding what was being said to him, an argument broke out. A shot was fired, and then all pandemonium broke loose. Fighting erupted, and the military reacted from all sides, shooting at will men, women, children, and even babies. When the madness ended, 292 of the 351 Indian people lay dead in the frozen snow. It was simply an open massacre. As a result, this gravesite here at Wounded Knee has become the symbol of the last bit of hopeless resistance of our people against the invasion of the white man. We as a people have been crushed by a superior power, labeled as an inferior race, and abused to almost complete extinction. Some archaeologists estimate that before the white man came to our shores, our native people numbered over 300 million. Today, in both the U.S. and Canada, our numbers are just under 8 million. This raises a huge question that all of us have asked ourselves at one time or another. And that is this, why is it that bad things happen to good people? Why would a loving God allow things like this to take place? Come with me, and we'll find answers to these questions. Natives are not bad people. It was reported in history by Columbus, who first came to our shores, that he experienced seeing us only as peace-loving, generous people. Our ancestors were never the savages that Hollywood films often portray. So why were we treated so shamefully? Was it that we were just in the way, or were we just in the wrong place at the wrong time? Most of all, did we deserve this? Did God allow this? What are the answers to these questions? Yes, the Book of Heaven gives us the answers. Here it says, we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. Here, it tells the story behind all the evil of this planet. The reason bad things happen to good people started before the creation of our world. The story began in the center of the universe when one of the chief angels named Lucifer became proud of his beauty and his own wisdom. The Book of Heaven in Ezekiel tells us this, You are a signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were blameless in all your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. You were filled with violence and you sinned. 
Lucifer began teaching that following God's laws of love and freedom would not bring us true liberty. God realized the devastation that would come to us from following this kind of reasoning. But God, in His holy wisdom, allowed Lucifer to exercise his freedom of choice. The Book of Heaven then says, War broke out in heaven. Christ and his angels fought against Lucifer, the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, was cast to this earth, and his angels were cast out with him. God created a perfect angel who chose to become a devil. So that is how Lucifer became who we know as Satan. Now, God could have destroyed Satan for going off in the wrong direction, but instead he allowed him time to prove for all of us to see whether his new way of government and thinking was right or not. You see, if God would have destroyed Satan and his angels instantly because they were wrong, then everyone would have served God out of total fear. But our Heavenly Father wants His children to follow Him only out of love and appreciation. So God did the wise thing by allowing Satan time to show all of us on this earth and in the rest of the universe just what happens when you go against God's laws of loving protection. And you know, this is what's going to make the new heavens and the new earth a safe place to live forever. Everybody there will have had such a bellyful of what evil did on this earth that their loyalty will only be with our Creator God. We will never want to choose to allow sin to raise its ugly head again. The Book of Heaven says, What do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end of it. Sinfulness and evil will not rise up a second time. That's an ugly, crazy world out there today. People are going against what is right. What they are doing is neither logical nor reasonable. It's so tragic to see how innocent people suffer at the hands of wicked men. But the one thing we must remember is that the day is coming very soon when our Creator God will bring an end to all this injustice. The Bible says that at Jesus' second coming, God will destroy those who have destroyed the earth. Satan and his angels will be destroyed and this earth will be recreated. I'm so looking forward to this, aren't you? It's a desire of all ages that will be free from sorrow and wickedness and death. But, you say, it's so hard to be patient. I get so angry and discouraged with all the horrible heartaches we're facing. I can perfectly understand this. So often, I see our brothers and sisters stumbling along, dazed, on our reservations and our reserves. They no sooner start dealing with the loss of a loved one when another tragedy takes place, or an injustice happens to a family member or a close friend. Here's the good news. All heaven is ready to help you. Jesus, the angels, the Holy Spirit will speedily come to assist us through every trial, every heartache, every struggle we go through, if we'll just ask Him. The Book of Heaven says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
Let not your hearts be troubled or wounded, neither let them be afraid. And here's even more good news. When we ask Jesus to help us through our problems and our struggles, He's promised to do just that. Listen. No problem or heartache has overtaken you such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You ask me why I have so much confidence that Jesus will help you when you ask him. It's because I see him following through with his promises for thousands of people every day. I have met so many people who have been burdened with impossible health problems or tragic circumstances, and yet they handle them cheerfully and gracefully. They most always testify that they only make it by leaning through prayer on a power outside themselves. God follows through when we ask for his help. The question today is this, how does God wish us to deal with pain and grief? Like the loss of a loved one, or an incurable sickness, or an injustice or betrayal by others that have wounded our hearts. The Great Spirit speaking through the Lord Jesus said, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. Forgive, you say? Why? You see, if we continue to dwell on the bad things people do to us and the horrible things that happen to us, our wounds will never heal. Some people say in order to help us get on with life, such things as time heals all wounds or just keep busy and soon the hurt will go away. But you know, it just doesn't work that way. Although the healing of your heart from the loss of a loved one or a hurtful injustice does take time, time in itself does not heal anything. But your choices and your actions do. You're the one that has to make the choice to start the process of healing your wounded heart. You see, we can't leave grief unresolved because it piles up into a big negative clump of emotion. When we become focused and preoccupied with our hurts and losses and the events that brought it about, we become negative and depressed people. Negative feelings rise up and overshadow the good memories that we have of loved ones. Continued bitterness over injustice against us will only separate us from opportunities for any kind of present or future happiness. You can't let this happen to you. For your own good and for the good of those around you, you need to begin to rediscover your normal, natural desire and ability to be happy. How do we do this? It comes by simply learning to understand or deal with two things. First, forgiveness, and secondly, fear. Most people seem to think that if you forgive someone of wrongdoing, you are condoning or overlooking what they did, or treating what they did as trivial or harmless. But wrong is wrong. What is really meant here by forgiving 
is to work at ceasing to feel resentment against someone or a situation that's happened. And the best way that you can handle these injustices is by turning it over to a higher power, the Lord. We do this by remembering that God has promised to make all things right, and God himself will deal with sin and sinners. That's his job, not ours. Friend, who has hurt you? What event in your past has caused you to bury your heart in a wounded life? It may be a death of a loved one or a divorce or the injustice of what happened to our people like here at Wounded Knee. Whatever the cause, I invite you to choose today to do something positive about it. Meet my dear friend, Hermes Porthunder. He's been such an inspiration to me when it comes to this business of dealing with tragedy and death. My name is Hermes Porthunder. I'm a member of the Oglala Lakota tribe of Sioux Indians in South Dakota. I was born and raised on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation and uh, lived a good deal of my life here and I've had my share of pain. When I was uh, six years old uh, is the earliest I remember death and the tragedy of death entering my life. What occurred was uh, one evening while we were at home my mother and father and my older brother had gone to town and uh, it was the first of the month. They had usually get the income at the first of the month. They were doing their usual shopping at that time. We all lived in a one room house and a lot of our, me and my siblings were sitting around in the house there and as we were, our parents returned where they, there was an argument going on. and. Uh, I hadn't seen my older brother. They brought us our usual gifts of candy and some small toy items and I, I was in, engrossed with looking at those and as I was watching, uh, my father was sitting on a bed near the door, my mother across the room at a table. And, uh, the door burst open and my older brother came in and uh, struck my father twice with uh, a piece of fence post that had been laying out in the yard. Uh, my father died as a result of that and uh, was probably my first uh, encounter with death and at that point uh, I realized that when someone dies you don't never see them again. Yeah. By the age of uh, 11 we had moved off the reservation and my mother was uh, taking one of my sisters to the hospital and as they were driving to the Reservation Indian Hospital, uh, they were in a car accident. A drunk driver had hit, hit them head on and my mother was ejected from the vehicle and killed. And at 11 years old, that was really devastating. I, I remember attending the funeral. Uh, my older brother had come back from prison and we were all in awe at his appearance, and, uh, seeing him and we idolized him as young boys, and I have two younger brothers. My mother always entrusted their care to me. And as we were sitting at the funeral, uh, they had a little reception after the services in the basement of this church. 
I realized I lost the track of my two younger brothers. And so I turned around looking for them and I seen them on the stairwell that led up into the sanctuary of that church, sitting on the step there. And I went over to them and I, I asked them, I said, what's wrong? Because I, I seen that they were crying. And the older of the two looked up at me and told me, he said, I can't stop him from crying. I can't stop him from crying. And he was in tears, himself crying. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, he wants to hold mom one more time. And so we went back up into the sanctuary. I took him up there. We opened a coffin, put a chair up there so he can hug and kiss our mother. And then she was buried. And at that point, we were pretty much orphaned. Our grandmother took custody of us. There was quite a number of us. So she decided that what she wanted to do was send us to the Holbrook Indian Seventh-day Adventist School down in Arizona. Uh, I myself never heard of the place. And, uh, at a young age like that, uh, I thought Arizona was another town in the state of South Dakota and realized after journeying two days that it was quite a ways from home. But I attended school there and uh, learned about Jesus and um, learned about the prophecies of the Bible. And the prophecies of the Bible would convince me that the Bible had a lot of truth to it. And in realizing the truth of the Bible caused me to believe that Jesus Christ was our Savior and is our Savior and is God and the creator of this world. And, and coming to that truth gave me the hope, the faith, the courage and the strength to endure any tragedies in this world. I spent many years as a law enforcement officer and dealt with a lot of tragedies and praised Jesus for putting me in a position to help others bring good into their lives. My friend Hermes Porthunder focused on Jesus' promised plan of his second coming and the resurrection of our loved ones. To heal your broken heart from the pain caused by loss requires that you focus your energy on accepting what has happened and letting God deal with it. Don't merge your resentment of the evil one with the memories of your loved one. Someone once said that the relationship a grieving person had with a lost loved one should leave a legacy of love and respect, not a monument to misery. If the death of a loved one was suicide, for example, you may need to forgive them for taking their own life and robbing you of their presence. You can, in love, forgive even such things like someone who has lied about you. Forgive them. In other words, whenever it comes into your mind, turn it over to the Lord. He's promised He will take care of it, and He will. The person being forgiven need never know that this has happened. You can make this commitment to yourself by quietly praying to the Lord to help you to give the anger and pain to Him whenever it comes into your mind. We need to go on with our lives treasuring only the good memories in order to find healing for our wounded hearts. Then there's the problem of fear in meeting life's injustices. Fear is one of the most common emotional responses to loss. For example, when a spouse dies or when you go through a divorce, you may feel, 
How can I make it on my own or go on without him? Will there be another mate as wonderful or as beautiful? Or if you lose your home, where will I go? In spite of this, the book of heaven tells us, don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. I know that God will help you if you'll just ask him. Frequently, fear and struggling to cope will push one into isolation. In these situations, we need to ask God to help us to become involved with our family and friends and those in need. Maybe there are those in your community that need help or in your church. Try to find ways to help other people because in doing so, you will find that you will help yourself. Those who allow the Great Spirit God to help them with their problems and with their trials will find an amazing thing that happens. And that is they become more sympathetic and kind and gentle towards others who are going through struggles. As a result, they become a blessing to others and their own problems seem to get smaller. The good news, my friend, is this. Jesus is waiting to help us with our need to forgive, which means helping us to let go of our resentment and bitterness. He's ready to help you cope with the fears the sinfulness of this world has brought on innocent people. And he will help you to be a blessing to your family, friends, and people with strength beyond your own abilities. I'm standing here by the monument to Crazy Horse one of the greatest warriors and spiritual leaders of the Lakota people. Here we have a great example of how we can turn injustice and indignation into a permanent memorial that looks to the future with hope and healing. So as native people today, when we look at the devastating losses at such places like Wounded Knee, the Cherokee Trail of Tears and all the broken promises and treaties, let's move forward with honor and dignity and keep alive the good memories of who we are and our ancestry. Let us not drag a chain of pain, hate and resentment and revenge which will only bind us on this earth. For your sake, for your children's sake, let the Great Spirit God help you to be free. Remember, God is still in control, and He can handle this unruly world. He will take care of the injustices that come on innocent and good people. The day is coming very soon, when all things will be made right, and the cruelties we have experienced will never be allowed to ever happen again. Are you hurting today? Have the problems of the past or the present caused you to bury your life in a wounded heart? Please don't let these problems and these sorrows steal the joy that the Lord wishes you to have. My dear brothers and sisters, it's an ugly world out there. I've been there. And you know, if it wasn't for the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the promises and the power of God, I wouldn't have been able to talk to you today about this subject the way I have. I appeal to you, the bitterness and the problems that you face, bring them to Jesus, lay them at his feet, 
and he'll take care of them for you. Thank you today for joining me in this beautiful Lakota country. And until the next time, let only the good spirit guide you.